Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to by the word of their testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for joining me on the program again today. I'm delighted to have your company. I have a special guest in the studio and her name is Julie Deerham. Julie, welcome to the program. Thank you. I look forward to you sharing your testimony now. This is one of those blind uh, ones as well, uh, blind interviews, because I've not heard your story before. But I know that God will richly bless as we hear how the Lord has led in your life. And secondly, I also know a little bit about what you're currently doing because we're involved in a new church plant. So can you tell us a little bit about that, what you do and how you got involved in that? So at the moment we're working at the entrance church plant. Hmm. So we're planting a church in the entrance. I heard about that through Eastwood Missions. I've been involved with Eastwood Missions for about four years now. And they decided this year to run a church full time for at least a year, possibly more. Yes. So I heard about that and decided to get involved. I've been working in disability for the past five years and decided that um, I felt God calling me to do something more for him and enter into full time ministry. And Mm. this opportunity became available so I decided to leave my job which I was really enjoying and join full time in ministry Yes. so we're working on the church plant so we go out and we do um, a lot of door knocking, we do surveys we do canvassing so going door to door with healthy cookbooks Yes. and also some more spiritually based books Yes. trying to encourage people um, to follow Jesus and we also have a lot of community work. We've got a couple of programs coming up, a depression recovery program. Um, yeah, we're just hoping to run those frequently throughout a, a period of time. Um, cooking classes, um, just anything that we see the community people really need. So mm. we ask them, uh, we do community surveys with them when we meet them on the doors and we see what the needs are and whichever needs are the greatest, we try and meet those needs, make friends with people. We also have every Friday night, we invite people around um, from the community to our place and we have a vegan meal and we interact with them. We're just trying to make friends in the community and help them to get to know the character of Jesus and to allow them to see his character in us. Yeah. So we try to be as friendly as possible and help them out, help meet their needs. Yeah, and wow. it's going really well at the moment. And we've also, one of our main um, opportunities we have is being able to do Bible studies with the people we meet. So we've okay. got a few Bible studies at the moment. And yeah, a lot of people have been open and receptive to learning more about God through His Word. Mm, well, that is exciting because what I hear there is that you're meeting people where their needs are at. So, I mean... Most people would like to eat healthier, but they don't know how to do that. So you're inviting people over for a good meal, and it's a plant-based meal. And uh, more than that, I understand that all the recipes you guys use there for the food is actually stuff that will be approved by the Heart Foundation. 
I also know that you've run some cooking demonstrations. Now, I've not been to the cooking demonstrations yet, but I have eaten some of your vegan food, and I'm telling you this is the best-tasting vegan food I have ever had. As a matter of fact, it's just the best-tasting food full stop. It's such good food, and it's wholesome and healthy. I don't know how you guys get the flavors out of those plant-based food, but it, it is wonderful stuff. So you obviously know what you have to do in regards to maybe a little bit of garlic, a little bit of herbs, and so forth, and that to make it taste really beautiful. So it's exciting that you're involved with that. The other one that you mentioned also is depression and anxiety recovery program that you guys will be running. And I imagine this won't be the first one because there's such a big need out there at the moment with people who are suffering from depression and anxiety. Now, I've only once had an anxiety attack, and it was a terrible thing. It's just like all my RAM was full, if you're thinking from a computer perspective. And I just couldn't think. I couldn't I couldn't solve simple problems at that time. Uh, it was just a terrible experience. But also, having suffered from depression for a number of years, um, I know how much that can be a downward spiral when your uh, thinking affects your mood, which affects what you eat, which affects how you look at your relationships with people. And it's just a downward spiral. And that, of course, affects your physiology. And then the, before you know it, your body's uh, posture is affected, which affects the mind again. It, it is just one cycle after another. And you guys have this awesome program that is a, a Neil Nedley, Dr. Neil Nedley program, who gets fantastic results from it overseas. And also people who are using it here in Australia with uh, with impacting the, the community. So that's really exciting. Now, there's one thing you did mention in your, your opening comments, and that's that you worked in another area. What was that area, and how did you get involved in, the, in that? So I worked in the disability field. Okay. So when I, I was born in South Africa, when I came over to... I thought from, there was an accent. Yes. Yeah. So when I came over to Australia, I was kind of in the middle of a degree in education yes and it was through the university of south africa which is correspondence so mm. i could continue it when i arrived here but the modules cost a lot more from overseas uh. so i couldn't afford to pay for the rest of my studies so i had to look for some way that i could get a job in australia so i could fin- afford to pay for the rest of my studies yes so because disability is something that we see needed in a lot of schools, it kind of goes hand in hand with a lot of education programs. Mm. I thought that, that would be a good um, good thing to study. So I did a cert for in disability. And then um, I started work in a disability organization. And I ended up working mainly in a school. Okay. So this was mainly working in the bathrooms, but it was interacting with the kids. So when you say disability, are they, is this just physical disability or is it even you know mental disability? How broad is the spectrum of people that you would have worked with? It was very, very broad, so mm. a mixture. Um, yeah, so most of the um, people that I worked with didn't have overly challenging behaviours. There were a few, mm. but no violent well, not terribly violent people yes. that I worked with. But, yeah, so at physical, intellectual disabilities, it, it varied. Mm. But I enjoyed the challenge. Right, that would be a challenge, <laughs> an interesting challenge, yeah. Yes. Good. Well, fantastic. So you've left that now, and you're full-time in ministry yes. with Eastwood Missions working on this church plant here on the central coast of New South Wales. Now, you've told us you're from South Africa. We can hear by the accent that you're (laughs) from South Africa. Can you perhaps just take us right back to the very beginning, where you were born, and a little bit about your family? Okay, so I was born in Cape Town, South Africa. Beautiful part of the world. One of my favorite places. I was born there as well. (laughs) Yes, I believe I was born just down the road from where you were born. 
Oh. So I was born at Paro. Paro, while I was born in Belleville, which is a neighbouring suburb. I guess they, they yeah, neighbours. Yes. Yeah. So my when my parents got married, they were Seventh-day Adventists. And um, through the years, my well, my dad stopped attending church shortly after I was born. Mm. Um, my mom still, when my sisters and I, so I have an older sister, 18 months older, and mm. I have a twin sister. Oh, and are you identical twins? Yes, we are. Right. When we were, I can't remember the exact age, but when we were old enough to start participating in the Sabbath school class at church, our mom would take us to church. Mm. So we started connecting with the kids there. Um, yeah, we really enjoyed that. And then my parents got divorced when I was about five. And my mom and my sisters and I moved in with her parents, so right. with our grandparents. We also had two uncles that were still staying in the house. So there were about eight of us at first until one of my uncles got married. And then for a good good few years, until I was 12 years old, we lived with seven people in the house. Wow, okay. And this was this still in Paru, in that area? No. So we actually grew up in Brackenfell with my dad. And then my gran lived in Rondebosch. Okay. So, well, Brackenfell I know well because I spent a few years there as a child growing up as well. My parents, after they moved from Paro, actually moved to Brackenfell as okay. well. There you go. Okay. And you get a beautiful view from uh, from Brackenfell if you look towards Cape Town. You see Table Mountain from there. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. But keep on going. No worries. So then, yeah, we grew up with our grandparents and we were attending Hillcrest Primary School, which is a Seventh-day Adventist school. Yes, I went there for four months once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I went there for about seven years. Wow. So starting with preschool up until grade six. Hmm. So that was an experience. It was good to be in a Seventh-day Adventist school. We used to go around every year. They'd run promotion programs where they'd promote the school at different churches. Yeah. So that was something we looked forward to because we would always get involved going around to the different churches every mm. year and they'd have a program that they would run every year, a different program. So that was, um, yeah, we really enjoyed that. Um, my sisters and I also started singing when we were very young. So that is one thing that we really enjoyed. My twin sister and I would often do a special item in the churches when we went around doing promotion programs. So people got to know us in different churches. Mm. And the the twins from Hillcrest School. So a lot of people. So got they refer to know us. as the twins from Hillcrest School, and you yes. do duets. Yes. Okay. So uh, do you sing both sing melody, or does one sing melody and one other sing harmony, or how does how do you do it? I sing melody okay. usually, and my twin sister will sing a high soprano, so descant. Oh, okay. Wow. That's uh, that's exciting. So you, you traveled around with the school a little bit, and obviously, from what you're telling me, there was a lot of. Uh, Christian influences in your upbringing, obviously through school and that, and in the home environment. Was it also a Christian home? I mean, your grandparents and everybody that uh, lived at home, were they Christian as well? Yes, my grandparents were Christian. Um, so Seventh-day Adventist. My grandfather worked at the Southern Publishing Association in Cape Town. Right, okay. So we had access to a lot of, um, a lot of the spiritual books that mm. the publishing house puts out. So we grew up with a lot of the devotionals. My gran grandpa would get a big box full of books at the end of every year, so all the seconds. Yes. And we would go through. There would always be some kids' books, some um, some of the 
kids devotionals and we would go through right. those during the year so that was always exciting to receive all these books that is awesome so do they still have some of the old uncle arthur's bedtime stories was that still available yes and uh, with the other one the bible stories by arthur maxwell i think was yes oh wow okay that's fantastic Yes. And you guys obviously use that as a family. So worship was, or evening worship or whatever, worship was part of your upbringing? Yes. Hmm. So we would have worship. I can only remember having worships on Friday evenings. Okay. And then on Saturday evenings. Yeah. So um, opening and closing Sabbath. Yes. Hmm. Okay, fantastic. Um, now, being brought up in a Christian family like that, were you pretty much shielded from worldly influences or was there some secular influences also in your life that may have been able to distract you? Well, in the school, it was a Seventh-day Adventist school, hmm. but a lot of the kids, some of them were Seventh-day Adventists, others weren't. Sure. But there was a very strong influence with TV and the programs that the kids used to watch. And talk about all the time at school. Yeah. Yes. Our okay. mom used to try to encourage us to, there were certain programs. She would let us watch TV. Hmm. So we'd often get home in the afternoons from school and we'd watch TV. Yes. Um, I can remember we used to put the TV on and then as soon as we heard our grand coming, because she was looking after us in the afternoons while our mom was at work, we'd put the TV off so she couldn't see what we were watching oh. and we'd get back to what we were doing. So we were naughty, naughty girls. <laughs> you were hiding it from a grand- grandmother. Yes. Um, mm. But some of the things our mom would let us watch and we knew that there were other things that she didn't want us watching. Mm. But because the kids at school were watching them and talking about them and playing certain games, we wanted to be like the kids and fit in. So sure. we would often watch a lot of the programs that the kids at school were watching. Mm. And our, our, my mom and our grandparents didn't know that we were watching these things. Okay. So, yeah, we just enjoyed watching all these things and being part of everything, even yeah. though we knew while we were watching it that we shouldn't be watching this, sure, but we'd watch sure. it anyway. So in hindsight, now you uh, you reflect on it and you consider the, the wise directions and choices of your parents, your grandparents, where at the time you actually believed that maybe it wasn't good to watch, but you watched it anyway because you had something to talk about and something in common with your um, school friends. Yes. Hmm. Okay. So uh, did these programs have a uh, positive or negative influence on your life and your spirituality? Definitely negative. Hmm. I was feeling every time we would watch it, you'd feel guilt. Even though you're enjoying it, you still know that there was, um, yeah, you feel the guilt from it. Hmm. And uh, I kind of, some of the programs were about people and they're interacting in their family life. And you yes. kind of, I could see that in my own life, trying to become like them, taking on things in their characters and thinking, oh, this is the cool way to act, the cool mm. way to dress. And I wanted to model them in some way to try and be with the in crowd. Right, okay. So and it did, was, sorry, go ahead. It was definitely having a negative impact on my sure. life. So would you say watching that and then trying to model those behaviors or dress or whatever it is, did it make you a happier person or a less happy person? A less happy person, definitely. Hmm. But the purpose for watching it was actually to pursue happiness because happiness comes from being able to relate to others, others being able to relate and being able to fit in. Mm. But you're saying actually the opposite was the, the case. Yes. In many respects. I guess not entirely all respects. We, we're talking about layers, I guess, within your experience. But that was the overall outcome. Mm. Hmm. Wow. Okay, so um, are you still watching these programs? Definitely not. <laughs> okay. So something's happened between that time of you watching the program and, and no longer watching some of those programs. Uh, can you start talking us through it? You're, we've spoken about your first, how many, seven years? 
At Hillcrest, was it? Yes. What happened after those seven years? Where did you go for schooling after that? So we finished the end of grade six. There was one more year of primary school, mm. and then we would be going to. We were planning to go to different high schools. Right. I wanted to go to one of the popular high schools. I didn't want to go with my twin sister. I wanted to be more individual because we would spend a lot of time together. Right. I really loved my twin sister, mm. and we got on really well. But a lot of people. Um, we're saying that it wasn't good for us to be together and I kind of thought the same thing. I wanted to have an individuality. I wanted to make my own friends. I wanted to be, um, yeah, mixing with other people, Mm. having my own group of friends. So I was set on a certain um, high school that I was going to go to, but that didn't seem to work out. So we were planning to go to another high school where Lindy and I would go together. Mm. Um, And then my mom got remarried and we moved from Cape Town to Durban. So I couldn't end up going to that school, which I believe was a blessing because it was a public school. Mm. And I have no idea what influences would have been there, but I believe God protected us from that. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, Cape Town, one of the most beautiful places in the world. Now you're going to Durban. Durban's got better weather than Cape Town, though. Yes, definitely. It's it's more tropical there. Okay. So how did you, how was your Durban experience? How many years did you live there? For about 11 years in Durban. Okay, quite a while. Yes. Hmm. And uh, it sounds like you didn't go to a public school there. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So when we moved, um, there was the church that we would be attending when we moved to Durban. They had a homeschool group that would meet at the church, and they were using a system called ACE, Hmm. Accelerated Christian Education. Um, And we, my mom had been up to Durban to visit... um, who's now my stepdad, and she was looking around there and they decided that we would do homeschool using the same curriculum that the school was using because she got to see it while she was there. Mm. So we had to do some tests to see where about in the program we would fit in. And then we started homeschooling. So when we first started in Durban, we were doing a few months homeschooling. Mm. And then we joined with the church school for about two months while my mom was working. And then we were back at home for a bit. And then we joined another lady that had, uh, she had a school with this, using the same curriculum just down the road from the church. Okay. So we started doing um, school there and there were about roughly 10 kids at the school from varying ages. So from really young, just starting school to the ones in year 12. Mm. So it was a large area. Eventually, it went to about was between ten and twenty students there. Okay, so it grew. So it's a different style of homeschooling because you're actually with another group, just using the homeschooling curriculum. Yes. And uh, was it a bit of an, an adjustment to go from school class, formal class, I guess six hours a day in a school, to now having the homeschooling done? Uh, did you like it, or did you miss uh, the formal school? I really enjoyed it. I find home study where I can set my own goals and do things at my own pace. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy that. I find it, um, yeah, I can. I feel that I achieve more Okay, so more, more productive? Yes. More Better productive. use of time? Yes. Look, I have uh, two nephews who went through homeschooling until their last few years of high school. And they would spend, I don't know, maybe two hours in the books a day, but they would do a lot of stuff with their dad and with their mum. You know, they, they, they learned about budgeting in the home and he would have a lathe and he'd have a, a workshop. They'll go out with them to that. They'll go and visit museums and all kinds of stuff. And they had a, such a great, well-rounded education and they were getting tested every year to make sure they're not falling behind. And they were either at the level where they should be or more advanced. So when my nephew went to uh, the public school for the first time, I think it was at the age of 15 maybe, 
we asked him after the first day in the school, how was it at school, your first day at school? I mean, you're 15, you've been doing homeschooling all your life. He goes, that was the longest six hours of my life. <laughs> he couldn't imagine how they just wasted really a lot of time in the classroom. Mm. Of course, I mean, not everybody wastes time in the classroom, but for him, the productivity he got out of a few hours at home um, meant a lot more to him education-wise than he did spending mm. six hours at school, plus then homework on top of mm. that. Mm. So I can relate to what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, so you're uh, you're doing this, and then you end up graduating high school through this process, or you you get a certificate or something. Well, that was the plan. Okay, and I was really wanting to do this, and I had it laid out with how many more years it was going to take me. Hmm. But my stepdad was looking at, um, I think he was asking some of the universities around their local universities to find out, um, because it's a program that is based in America, mm. um, whether we would actually be able to get into the universities, what we would have to do if we okay. finished Was it recognized? This, yeah. Yes. Okay. So he, well, from what he had, the information he had gathered, he decided that we wouldn't be able to. We'd have to do some extra tests. So we weren't too sure. But then there was another correspondence course that some of our friends had, had done for the last two years of school. So that counts as a year 12 certificate. Okay. Um, so we looked at that and we decided that we'd go that route. Mm. So we planned to do that over two years, um, two, two to two and a half years. Yeah. So then I managed to complete my year 12 okay. through a different system. Yes, which was but also, also homeschooled. Homeschool. And was it still with the group at church or was it uh, just from home? No, we actually stopped with the school probably about three years before I finished before that, school. Okay. Finished school. So we'd actually, at that stage, we'd actually, my mom had taken over and we'd moved into the little flat behind our house mm. because our teacher had moved to New Zealand, the oh. one that was running the small home school down the road from okay. the church. So my mom took over. There were less kids because not all of the kids came to uh, move from uh, the other lady's school to my mom's school. Mm. But we also mm. had some people that were interested and we had some new students. And then I actually decided because I the experience that I had at the small homeschool down the road from the church, I was, even though it was self-focused work that we were doing, I was struggling because the kids would get up to mischief and they were talking. I find it very distracting. So when we moved to our house, I decided, well, I'll be in the house working by myself. Hmm. I'll interact with the kids when I need to, possibly okay. just in the morning. But other than that, I'll do my own thing. I'll have my own break time separate to them because I want to focus on my studies and focus on wow. other things. Okay, so very focused. I had the role of receptionist answering the telephone as my excuse for being in the house when everyone else was in the schoolroom. And I was just doing my own my own studies. And then it was very similar when I started then with the year 12 studies. Mm. It was also very... Um, I was by myself. We had a couple of other kids. We had then moved into our house. We had two students actually in our house. Okay. And we rented out the flatlet. And then I then moved into my mom's bedroom and I was studying at my mom's desk in her bedroom so that I could be free from distraction. Wow. Okay. Well, you sound like a very disciplined person. They normally say, you know, we all have different layers to our personality. There's some people who are task-focused and there's some people who are people-focused. And then sometimes there's a balance between the two. And when I did the assessment for myself, it turned out, this is a few years ago now, that I'm actually more task-focused than people-focused. And I'm not an extrovert, or I can comfortably visit there, but I, after spending a lot of time with a lot of people over a period of time, I get drained and I need to go and spend time by myself. 
So it sounds like you're a little bit more task-focused yes. than people-focused. Okay. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. You know, that's just the, the way we, we were wired. But at the same time, you obviously have a, a personality and you, uh, you don't mind interacting with people, especially with the work that you guys are doing going door-to-door and visiting people and meeting people. They obviously need to communicate and connect with people. So you did that. You finished your um, high school. And what do you do next? So after I finished high school, I was looking at what I should do in regards to studies. I was looking at a few options. Hmm. I was considering going to a university about an hour away and staying with the family from the church in Peter Maritzburg. But I wasn't sure that I wanted to leave home just then. Hmm. So I was looking at a couple of different options. And then I came across the University of South Africa and I thought, well, that one is definitely correspondence. So Mm. I'll just look through the list of options and I'll choose one of those. And I looked through the list and nothing really appealed to me. Right. But the year before I had to make my decision, I actually had when I finished my year 12, it was in the middle of a year. Mm. By the end of the next, so I had six months to basically decide before I enrolled for university. And I was looking at my options and a lady from a school actually called up and said they've got a lot of teachers that are sick they actually need some people to come in and look after some classes for a few days would I be able to come in and I went in having no clue what I was doing Mm. I'd only finished year 12 and this was all new to me it was in a public school and I had to look after the class and I really enjoyed it. At first, I just sat behind the desk and I had no idea what to do. And then I decided to get up and go and run, see what the kids were doing. I interacted with the kids. And so I had about three three days in the school working with the kids. Mm. And then at the end of the year, so this was now December, January, I was still deciding what am I going to enroll for? And I felt the strong impression from God that I needed to do teaching right. because he had opened that door and I enjoyed it and I didn't want to do teaching because of the English modules, the literature that I would have to read, Hmm. but I felt strongly impressed that that would only be a small portion of the studies and God would help me through it, which I have seen him help me through some of the literature that I didn't actually have to read, Hmm. but yes, God really opened up doors and I felt strongly impressed to study teaching. Okay, wow. So you've mentioned God here now directing and leading and opening doors for you and obviously closing some other doors and you're not supposed to walk through. Um, I know you were telling us that you were raised in a Christian household where you guys you know, had uh, Bible studies as well. You had Christian books that you had access to. And then also you were homeschooled in, uh, in a Christian environment. However, um, a person is not born a Christian, are they? We normally say a person has to be born again to become a Christian. So uh, what we're going to do here is we're just going to take a break. When we come back, we can hear a little bit more about Julie's story and how the Lord has led her in her life. And we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Linger at the table. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Someone once said there's a special bond of fellowship when people linger around a table, around good food. In Scripture, God uses the imagery of food around a table time and time again to try and instill upon our minds the kind of intimate bond He wants with us. He wants to spend time. So why not make your mealtime a reminder to invite God into your day? Let Him commune with you. Don't just thank Him for your food and ask for a blessing upon it. Have a conversation. Open up your heart to God as you would to a friend. 
So today, use your meals as a reminder of God's great love for you. And remember, live your faith and have a blessed day. Welcome to the Minute That Makes a Difference. I'm Margot Marshall. What difference does Bible reading make? A study found that just thinking about religious themes gave people significantly more self-control when performing later unrelated tasks. Participants were given sentences containing five words to unscramble. Some contained religious themes, others didn't. Then they were asked to complete tasks that required self-control, involving enduring discomfort, delaying gratification, exerting patience, and refraining from impulsive responses. Those who unscrambled the sentences with religious themes had more self-control in completing their tasks, which surprised the lead researcher, who previously thought that religion had little practical use. So keep a Bible handy. It makes an empowering difference. Dear listener, welcome back. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony, and my special guest in the studio today is Julie Deerham. Julie, just before the break, you were telling us how you felt at the end that God was leading in regards to which programs and courses you were to do at university. But what we hadn't covered previously, other than obviously the physical aspects of your, your education and so forth, is when you started personalizing Christianity and your relationship with the Lord for yourself. Because you've obviously been brought up in a Christian environment, and quite often people just go through the paces. They have good influences there. The, the family shields them from you know worldly uh, and, and bad influences. But at some stage, each person in their life has got to start walking their own walk in their connection with God. When did this happen for you? Or was there some sequence of events that led up to that? Well, when my, with my grandpa working in the publishing house, he'd gotten a lot of books, and mm. a lot of those were books written by Ellen White. Okay. So a lot of the um, Spirit of Prophecy books. And I had been encouraged to read messages to young people. Hmm. And before, I was in my early teens, and I looked at these books, and I thought they were for adults. Yeah. And then I was encouraged to read the book. So I decided, okay, I'll take up that challenge, and I read through that book. When this I finished is Messages that one. to Young People. Yes. Okay. So this was now when I was um, studying at home. So mm. it was probably during when I was um, studying for my year 12. Okay, so you're about 17, 18? 18? 18? Um, probably, somewhere around there. Okay. And... I decided that I wanted to spend a lot of time reading those um, those books. Mm. So I wasn't finding enough time in my day. So I decided, well, what, what can I cut out of my day so that I can still have time to read, study and have time to read at least for half an hour a day? Yes. And I decided I'd cut out lunch because I'm eating mainly leftovers for lunch, so I didn't need to eat the leftovers. So I'd have breakfast <laughs> okay. and I'd have, I would have dinner in the evening. Wow. So then for my lunch break, I'd go outside and I'd take a chair and sit out in the sun and read Ellen, pray and read Ellen White's writings for now, about... That's, so was it hard to do that the first time you did, to take like how many hours between your meals? Is it 8 or 10 or 12 hours? Well, originally I was hoping to be eating at about 3 o'clock. Okay. But it ended up being more like 5 or 6 o'clock. So mm. it was probably about every 12 hours I was eating. Um, was that tough to go in to start off with? I think I was so 
excited about having this extra time that it didn't affect me. So, so you're I was thinking, just, I've, I've got the opportunity to feed my mind. I don't have to worry about feeding the body. I'm doing that twice a day anyway. Yes, and I was so busy okay. during the rest of the time because I was busy with household chores and then studies. And then I'd go out and read. Then I'd come back, do you more time studies to think about household. Food. Yep. <laughs> okay, fantastic. And uh, did you find that with actually cutting out, they're just uh, curious about this, cutting out that meal? Because there's a lot of people nowadays, it's a bit of a fad to do alternative fasting, to skip a meal and to have good breaks between meals. Did you find uh, mentally that your mind was more alert and clearer as a result of this? I mean, when, I guess when you're young, your mind is quite alert anyway. But did you notice any difference yourself? Um, well, I... I did notice that I was, what I was reading, especially when I was reading from Ellen White's writings, that I was taking a lot on board and I saw myself changing. So my okay. mind was a lot clearer and I was mm. able to read through the things, understand them and And you judge that by the life. results and also the ability to retain the information yes. you were taking on. Okay, fantastic. Right, so you, uh, you're, you're, you're doing this, you're skipping lunch and you're reading instead. And you're saying it's having an effect on your life. So what were the differences? Were other people noticing differences as well? Or was it just you personally and your connection with God? Um, well, if people noticed differences, they didn't really mention it. Sure. But I was definitely enjoying it and drawing closer to God mm. and becoming a close friend. One of the books that I did read was The Desire of Ages, which I was given from oh, my parents after, after I was baptized. And it's through reading that book that Jesus became my best friend. Mm. And then I was reading other books that were talking more about um, character, um, things helping me to become a young woman that would serve God and live for him. Yes. And applying things in my own life so that I could live a life that would reflect his His love mm. and his character. So, yeah, I just found that really a blessing in my life. And that's what kind of prompted me on to continue to find out what God would have me do in my life. Okay. And ask for his leading. Now, you mentioned something very interesting there. You said that after you were baptized, you were given the book Desire of Ages, and when you read that book, that's through that book that Jesus became your best friend. Now, what that suggests to me is that once you have given your life to the Lord, and even if you're baptized, your life doesn't just stay there. There's an ongoing progression. You can draw nearer to God. You can learn more about Jesus and have a better knowledge of him. And by beholding him, we are beca we become changed. And by tasting the Lord through his word and meditation and prayer and everything else that goes with the relationship, we can actually uh, draw closer and fall in love with the Lord more and more. So just take us to the point where you decided to be baptized. Can you unpack that for us a little bit? Well, when we moved to Durban, we started in a new church. Um, and there was a good youth group, um, good we eventually had a pastor that we really, really liked his family. We would um, get involved with the family, do activities with them. Mm. Um, again, the youth leader was really good. We felt more involved in the church in Durban. Okay. So before that, my spiritual walk with God in Cape Town, we didn't like the Sabbath school teacher. My twin sister and I had actually stopped going to church for a while. Oh, wow. Okay, because know that. We, we weren't happy with the Sabbath school teacher. So we decided, no, we'll just stay home. So our gran had to stay home with us, so she couldn't go to church either. Right. But then when we moved, we really liked our new church. So we started attending there and really growing. We would get in, involved in a lot of the um, spiritual conversations. We were learning more. Okay. So just when you were still in Cape Town and you, you and your sister started, stopped going to church, 
did you still sort of, you know, on Sabbath, did you still keep Sabbath or did you become more secularly minded at that time? Or was your grand sort of making sure that you guys still got a spiritual um, spiritual feast or, you know, some spiritual food on, on Sabbath? Well, we didn't stop keeping Sabbath, so I can't remember much of it, but I've, okay. I... I believe that my gran would have been then reading things with us hmm. or we would have been doing Sabbath activities on okay. Sabbath. Right. So we didn't leave completely. We just didn't want to go to church. I understand. Okay. And you have a totally different experience now in Durban. You connect with the pastor. You connect with the youth leader. And this is a positive effect on you. Yes. Okay. And then they were doing baptismal studies. And we decided that we probably, my stepdad was kind of, nudging us to get baptized. Hmm. So we decided, well, we'll go through the studies. I agreed with everything in the studies, so I decided that I would be baptized. Okay. But I didn't have a personal connection with Jesus. But it was after I was baptized that I was looking at the decision that I had made and the commitment, hmm. and I was praying to God and saying, well, I wanted to remain true to this commitment. Okay. So that is what kind of pushed me on to try and get to know, well, I need a personal relationship with Jesus. What is that? How can I get that? And that's mm. what led me to the Desire of Ages, to discover who Jesus was and how I can connect with him. And that is what basically started my journey through wow. becoming coming to know Jesus. So it actually started after baptism, yes. really. So the baptism beforehand, you were given, um, I guess, the teachings of the Bible, the doctrines of Scripture. It was a head knowledge. Yes. You were convinced of the truth of this, and I guess that's a common that's a common response with many people, where uh, they will be convinced regarding the truth, and it's a head knowledge, but doesn't always drop down to the heart and mm. become a relationship or relational issue. And uh, we we want to know the truth. The, the Bible tells us the truth will set us free, but the Bible also tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So the truth is actually a person. And from there, you started shifting from just an academic exercise into a relational exercise with God through Jesus Christ. Yes. Wow, that is powerful. Okay, so you're on this journey. Does everything run very smoothly for you from then onwards? No. <laughs> okay. So uh, can you talk us through uh, that? You're, you're you know, spending time with the Lord, and are you now talking to God more about the decisions you need to make in life? Can you talk us through some of that a little bit? Yes. So I was definitely talking to God a lot. So with the university that I was studying was also correspondence. I was spending a lot of time at home. Mm. So I was spending a lot of time, most of my time doing things around the house and very limited time doing my studies because I was, yeah, basically doing cooking, cleaning, looking after my family. And studies was if I had an assignment, I'd quickly, like one or two days before, try and cram study and get the assignment ready to send off. Mm. And I would cram study before my exams. So but how come you were looking after all the family? Was it shared around or did you just take on that responsibility? Or was it because you were the best at it and your food tasted better than everybody else They wanted you to cook? <laughs> my food was very basic. Steamed okay. vegetables on alternate nights with rice and beans or some other kind of legume with rice. Very basic. Okay. But often very quick to prepare. I'd cook all my legumes in a slow cooker, so it was very easy. Yeah. But I got, was given that role of cooking when I decided to become more healthy and I cut out a lot of refined foods. Okay. Um, so then my mom said, well, you can take over the cooking. So that became my responsibility. Mm. And everything else, I guess, um, yeah, I've, if I didn't do the dishes, they often didn't get done. So we had- So you're a very conscientious person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Task so. focus. Maybe we spoke about that before. Okay. Yes. 
So, and I enjoyed it hmm, because I would good. be I could be talking to God. Um, I remember often I was going through in my mind um, talking to groups of young people and kind of preaching to them, presenting things to them while I was just in my mind, while I was busy doing cleaning or preparing vegetables. And mm. I just be, I could be talking to God while I was doing all those things. Yes, yeah. So that would take up most of my time. And then I'd do my studies was more of a, if I have time, I'll get to my studies. Oh, wow. And my marks were really good, though. So oh. God helped me with my cram studying at so the end, okay, I you're serving I the don't family. recommend it. But you're serving the family. <laughs> You're getting time to be creative in your mind and imagining things and how you would share the gospel with other people. And you're also talking to God and you're enjoying that. And then when you have time, not as a priority, but when you have time, <laughs> you get into the studies and you did well. Yes. Oh, praise the Lord. Yeah, you you wouldn't recommend that. It's not everybody's cup of tea, but it, it worked for you. <laughs> yes, I don't recommend skipping studies. Studies are really good. Yes. But, yeah, in my situation, I believe that... God blessed me. But mm. So you obviously weren't lazy. You weren't a slouch. Yes. You, um, you, you, you were serving God. You were serving your family, and God blessed you through that process, basically. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that's what I believe, uh, mm. because I was focused on helping my family, and I, was, I wanted to do the studies, and when I got opportunity, I would do them. I believe that God blessed me and helped me to know what to study. And when I, I would often ask God, well, help me to know what to study and he would help me to underline the right things in my workbooks and study so I could retain the information. So I did a lot, uh, very well in most of my studies. Yeah, wow. Okay, so you'd, you'd studying there for, is it two and a half years, something like that, two years? How long were you at the University of South Africa? Well, I started the university, with the University of South Africa in South Africa and I was studying for, I think it was about Three years there. Okay. And then it might have actually been more like four. Mm. And then when I moved over here, I took at least a year's break. And then I had another, um, I started up um, studying again, but the modules were, because you don't have a set number of modules you have to do. So I kind of broke it up and it. I was originally doing about eight modules a year and then it became four modules so kind of that lessened over the years mm -hmm. so it spread out to about the period of seven seven or eight years okay all up and then doing other things in between once i came here so okay so you're not a spring chicken you've had a little bit of experience and you <laughs> yes. maybe you're a little bit older than you look because you look very young and youthful it must be all that good vegetarian <laughs> yes. vegan food that you've been eating okay so um at some stage you guys leave south africa and you end up here do you want to talk us just through that process and the transition and what caused you guys to leave there and come to uh, this beautiful country of Australia? Okay, so my stepdad was thinking that we needed to get out of South Africa. Mm -hmm. So he came to Australia with his work. He was mm -hmm. doing some lectures and some study things over here. Mm -hmm. And while he was here, he was looking for a place where he could work so that he could bring his family over to Australia. And he found someone that would sponsor him. So he went back to South Africa and told us all that we were moving to Australia. So then we started the application process. All right. Um, so we had to fill out a lot of forms and send things off to um, the travel agent. And the doors kind of seemed to close a lot of the time because usually if you because we were coming, trying to come in on my stepdad's um, visa, which mm. was a working visa. Yes. And normally um, the children can only come in if they're 18 or under. Okay. And we were all over 21, my sisters oh. and I. Okay. 
So we had, we were a bit concerned, but we filled out all our paperwork and there was a lot of paperwork to do. And we kind of felt the doors were closing. The um, travel agent that we had, um, I think we had about three during the process of, I think it was about two to three years. Mm. And every time they would go on maternity leave and then we'd get a new one. And when the new one would come, she'd ask for a lot of other information, more forms to be filled out. And then eventually we got the third one and we're thinking this just is, isn't going to work. We're never going to get there. Yeah. And so was this just uh, the requirements of the Australian government or was it just a lot of the red tape in typical, typical of South African lifestyle? <laughs> no, it was Australia. Okay. Yeah, because they don't make it easy for you to come to, uh, to Australia, do they? Definitely not. Okay. But the fact that you have three people asking for the same information i mean does the story change slightly every time a new person comes in on board well yes so they'll then Mm. say oh you need this or you'll need that and they'll look at something different so when the third person came on we were expecting she was going to ask for a whole lot of things and she's going to say oh no this and that and you can't come but the first thing she said was your police checks are going to expire within about a month can you get here before then can Mm. you come to australia and we kind of looked at each other and we're like is that all she's going to be concerned about so we thought well that's a bit too soon so we can we renew our police checks and then come over and she said yes okay so the first thing we heard from her was basically yes you can come Mm. so that was a blessing that's unexpected yeah (laughs) so we had a rush pack within a couple about three months three to four months i think Mm. and then we came over to australia wow okay so you find yourself which part of australia in melbourne melbourne they reckon Melbourne's voted as one of the most livable cities in the world. <laughs> the weather's not quite as good as Durban, though. Yes. <laughs> okay. And adjustment. Tell us a little bit how you found it coming over here. Um, it's obviously slightly different culture. And uh, just tell us a little bit about your experience. Well, it was. we started off going to a church that was nearby. Mm. We, Yeah, the church was very welcoming, really nice people. So that was a bonus. Um, we were still I was still studying at that time. My sisters weren't studying, but I had organized to be able to study for about six months after we came here. Okay. So I was still so, so through UNISA? Yes. Yeah, okay. So I was still busy studying. Um, and most of the rest of the time we were just at home looking for jobs. Hmm. Um, I really needed a job to I wanted to be able to pay for my studies and all the jobs that I applied for, I didn't get many of them. The one that I got, I wasn't interested in. So that was challenging. We ended up doing some work delivering papers and we didn't make very much from that, but right. we got a lot of exercise. <laughs> and yeah, so we were just trying to find things to do. And that's when I started um, studying in, um, in disability and was able to get a job there. Hmm. But yeah, the culture's not too different from South Africa. So it was... Yeah, not a bad adjustment. It was quite quite good. We made new friends. Mm. So, yeah, it was... Okay. Excellent. Your relationship with the Lord uh, when he came to Australia, because quite often I, I find that sometimes people go overseas, there's different distractions, there's things they're not aware of or not used to, and then sometimes people can be blindsided a little bit by that. Uh, what was your experience like when you came across in relationship to your to your walk with the Lord? Well, I think I had a lot more time that I could spend with God when I came over. So in that sense, it was a good thing? Yes. Hmm. So it had its challenges, but with all the challenges, I would be going to God 
and talking to him about my challenges and my relationship with him was lengthening over the years. I, it didn't get any worse. There were some, dis, uh, I was a bit discouraged at times because I'd had to leave friends um, That's back always, home. That's always hard, yes. But other than that, I was just, any anything that I was concerned about, I'd just take it to God and talk to him as I would to a friend. Mm. And that really, um, yeah, helped to help me to um, adjust more to Australia. Yeah. Um, and then there was a point in my spiritual walk where I'd asked God something and said, well, if this happened, and I didn't believe that it would happen, and I basically told God, I, I don't believe it will happen, but, um, yeah, it, all things are possible with you. Mm. And what I thought he wasn't going to do actually happened. Um, that was actually, there was a, a young man that I'd seen um, at a church function, and I thought he was really nice, mm. and I would like to get to know him, but I didn't believe that I would ever see him again. Right. And then a couple of months later, I actually was um, at a church and I was able to chat to him and get to know him a bit. And so what I'd, I actually asked God was, um, yeah, if if you would like us to um, get together, get to know each other, mm. that you would ha- make our paths cross. Yes. And then I believed that, well, I believed that this was God's leading and he would be the one that I was going to marry. Okay. And that didn't work out a couple of months later. Things didn't work out as I had planned. Hmm. So that was kind of a disappointment for me in my spiritual walk because I was kind of left thinking, well, I trusted God with this. I'd asked him Hmm. and he brought that person into my life. Yeah. And I was kind of like, well, um, what what is my relationship like with God? Is he, does he not hear me or am I not as close to him as I think? Hmm. And I was left with all these confusing questions and I went through a time of depression. Right. Quite, quite a while, quite a few years. Because mm, it um, worked out differently to the way we thought it would work out in God's plan. Yes. But perhaps it was our plan rather than God's plan. Yes. So we're just, okay, interesting. Look, that's something that's probably very common. Mm. I, I think I've been there myself perhaps, perhaps more than once in regards to where I think the Lord will lead and then he doesn't. He leads somewhere else. And his no is just as loving as his yes. Mm. We've got to understand he's always got our best interests at heart. So, mm. yeah, so keep on telling us about that uh, that aspect of your life that time. Yes. So that is definitely something when I wanted to have God still as my closest friend, but there mm. was this, it seemed a barrier. Right. But I was working on that to try and come back to God. I was reading a lot of, uh, lot of um, relationship books at the time to try and um, come to terms with things and realize what God's plan is. Um, I was also reading um, a lot of um, Spirit of Prophecy or the Bible and trying to trying to basically come to know why. I knew I wouldn't know the purpose of why God had done this, but just to get to a point where I could trust him again. Mm. And it was through many things that had happened and just circumstances and God speaking to me while I was reading different books, just things that he impressed me with that brought me to a place where I could trust him fully again. Right. And rely on him, even though I couldn't see where he was leading. Mm. I couldn't see his hand in this. I had no idea why he allowed certain things to happen. Yeah. There were many other situations that I had as well where I'd be questioning, well, why? Why is this happening? Mm. But through all that, I would I realized that I just needed to trust, even though I don't understand. Yeah, to or just you can't quite God. see your way through it all and it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And 
And that's probably challenging at times. Yes. Yeah, to trust in spite of the way it looks. Definitely. Hmm. So what took you through? Was it the promises of God's word or you just knew that God, the Bible says that God is love and that he's interested in our well-being and he's got a plan for each of our lives? I mean, what was it that actually made you go through when everything seems to indicate something different? Yes, it was definitely just knowing the character of God. Mm. So through reading um, Ellen White's books, through reading the Bible, Mm. just having that knowledge of who God is and his character and that he is love and that he has a plan. There are many verses in the Bible that talk about the plans that God has for our lives and that he cares about us and whatever we're going through, he is there with us. So those are the promises that made me realize that even though I can't understand, he's got a plan through all this, Mm. even though I cannot see the end, that God will do things. And I've seen him do amazing things in my life um, with even the person that I was interested in and was hoping to marry, how we've been able to, over a couple of years, become friends again. Mm. Um, Yeah, and I can talk to him without any hurt feelings. Um, So that was a major blessing. But... Yeah, just realizing that no matter what happens in my life, God is there and just clinging to that, clinging to what I know rather than what I don't know. Hmm. So the things that I do know about God and knowing that he loves me, that he cares for me, even though I'm going through things that I don't understand and really discouraging times, even if I'm feeling depressed, to just remember who God is and that he does love me and care for me and that Hmm. he, he has a plan even though I can't see it. Amen. Yeah, it's it's amazing how Satan will use sometimes times when God seems to be silent, or when God is led in a different direction to what we thought, and he will use that to try and discourage us, and put a projection on God's character to make us doubt Him, to make us wonder if He has our best interests at heart, to distract us because mm-hmm. He wants to derail our relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. But we praise God that in spite of that, we can actually overcome by faith. It says that the just shall live by faith. And it's important for us to always trust God. And ultimately, you know, even though we don't understand things at times, later on they make more sense when we have more information. Mm. When we look back quite often, we have more mm. information than yes. we have when we're going through these things at the time. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. That's uh, very encouraging. And also just to let us know on the journey now that you're grateful for some of the things that have happened subsequent to that. So you're in Melbourne. Uh, you are working with disability children. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then uh, we haven't covered the full detail of it yet, but you are introduced somehow to Eastwood Missions. Was it through music or was it through something else that you became aware of Eastwood? I was um, invited to join the music camp. And okay, that's... because of your musical ability? Yes. You sing and you play any instruments? No. Okay, so you're a, you're a vocalist? Yes. Okay, fantastic. And so you heard about them, you end up at this music camp? Yes. Now, subsequent to the music camp, was there any other connection with the Eastwood Mission or did one thing just lead to another and your um, connection with them, your association with them has, has, has continued since then? Yes. So after the music camp, at the end of that year, when I was at the music camp, they had a canvassing program and I decided I wanted to work for God. So I'll just get involved in the canvassing program. Okay. Um, do it was an opportunity that it opened and I was looking for ways that I could serve God more and then from the canvassing program I got involved in more Eastwood Mission canvassing um, road trips programs 
music camps and I've just been going along with Eastwood for quite a while ever since. Okay, wow. So were you taking holidays to do this or were you working part-time at the time? Or did you just do it on weekends? How did it all work? I was working as a casual. So for the five years that I was working disability, I was working as a casual. Okay. So I could take leave whenever I wanted. I think the longest time I was away with Eastwood Missions was about three months. So I'd just wow. take a three-month break and then I'd come back. Whenever I was back, work it's really wanted flexible. me there. So I could just work and I was getting paid casual rates when I was working hmm. and then that would cover. So I was about, um, it was about half of the year roughly with like month periods at a time I was away. So I was about home for about six, six months of the year and okay. away with Eastwood for the other six. Right, okay. Well, dear listener, you are listening to By the Word of the Testimony. My name is Etienne McClintock, and my special guest in the studio is Julie Deerham. We're just going to take a break here to share our contact details, and we'll be right back after this. Stay tuned. Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 024973. 3456. Or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, thank you for staying with us here at the program. And just as we wrap it up, my special guest in the studio is Julie Deerham. Now, Julie, just before the break, you were telling us about your experience with the Lord and how. At times you couldn't see, you couldn't understand, and uh, it just didn't make sense in regards to your walk with the Lord. And also after you've prayed and asked God for his leading, it just didn't seem to go according to the way you thought it should have gone. If people are going through something like that in their own lives at the moment, have you got any encouraging words for them? And how do you stay faithful to God regardless of those those trials when we don't know, we don't see, and we don't understand? What I normally look at is the purpose of God's heart. The purpose of God's heart is for you. He loves you. Everything he allows you to go through is with a purpose in mind, a purpose to refine you, help you to become a better person Hmm. so that you can feel better yourself. You can help other people. Right. I have seen that in my own life. And it's just a blessing to be able to trust God, even if we don't see the circumstances we're going through, we don't see a purpose in it, we don't see the end. Just mm. to trust God, trust the purpose of his heart because God is good and he wants what's best for us, even yes. if we don't think it's the best for us. And we will be able to look back and see that, yes, God did have a purpose and we will be happy with that purpose and what he has brought us through when we see the final outcome. Fantastic. Thank you for that. And I think also as we get to know God better, we trust him more as well because we see his goodness and his love for each one of us. Thank you for those encouraging words, Julie. It's been a pleasure having you on the program. Dear listener, thank you for joining us on the program as well today. We pray that God will continue to guide, lead and bless you as you seek him and continue to walk with him by faith. Until next time. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.